0: Welcome to Everyday Wellness. Wellness is the result of the decisions that you make every day. It's your mindset and the thoughts you believe. Wellness is the food you put in your body and the relationship you have with yourself and others. Wellness is your work and meaning. Join us on Everyday Wellness as we explore ways that you can choose wellness today.
1: Good morning. We are so excited to have Dr. Beth Westy here with us this morning. She is a licensed chiropractor as well as an acupuncturist in Eastern medicine, and she is the founder and creator of the 12-week Female Fat Solution Challenge, that's quite a mouthful, and the author of the best-selling book, The Female Fat Solution. She has made it her mission to change the way women view their health. She travels the country to help educate and empower women to take their health into their own hands and uses nutrition to help help women work with the natural cycle of their bodies to achieve lasting weight loss results. Thank you for being on with us this morning.
2: Yay. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Awesome. We are excited
0: to have you here. And there's so many things we can't wait to talk about, but we like to hear people's stories. So if you could start telling us how you got interested in acupuncture and all that you do.
2: Okay. Yes. Um, All right. Little like background on me. Um, I I live in Minneapolis and I grew up in Minnesota. I actually grew up on a small goat farm. So yes, 4-H gal right here for (laughs) 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 those that know about 4-H. All the 4-H nerds are like, yeah, everybody else. I
1: think I know what that is. Yeah.
2: Um, And I I was an athlete growing up. I was a three-sport athlete in high school and then got a scholarship to play volleyball at Northern Michigan University. Um, And so overall was, I want to say, active, healthy, right? And the the tough thing about being a female athlete, which is, I want to say, almost a whole other topic to cover, is the diets that you get put on by different coaches, Um, coaches that might have the best intentions in terms of performance but don't have the background or research or knowledge going into telling teenage girls Mm -hmm. what to eat, what not to eat, fat is bad you're you know you're too heavy to get on the court today, that type of a thing um, wow. yeah, yeah, not not so good for the teenage gal, especially yeah. gals that you know play volleyball and you're running around in spanx all day that's
1: well, nice. not to mention the fact I mean just being an athletic young woman, I mean yeah. you know we we do such a disservice to young women when we have those kinds of discussions that aren't fruitful and i and like you said, I mean, I'm sure it's with good intentions, but yeah, you know, If you're not able to get the good information to be able to feel your body, to be able to sleep well, to be able to, you know, excel in school and within your sport, yeah. um, that can have profound lasting implications. I know I had a couple friends um, in college that were college athletes and, you know, depending on, you know, what their upbringing was like, what their relationship with their mom and their dad was like in terms of their relationship with food. I mean, sometimes that can feel really unhealthy tendencies uh, in the wrong individual. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. And, and so this was one of the things that I
2: want to say started me looking at the world of nutrition and looking at, you know, all of that was just the different things that I was told I could or could not eat, depending on, you know, whoever was my coach, which, you know, okay, some of it was good and some of it was really not good. And then it wasn't about your performance necessarily, or it wasn't about, you know, like, hey, talk to these. Teenage gals about the fact that you lift weights and your quads are gonna be bigger than your friend who goes home after school every day and takes a nap. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So like your body frame is gonna be different, and that's okay because it's meant for a purpose for performance, and you know, it's it's still you know functional and useful. Um so so that was you know, that was something that I kind of grew up through. And then um, after college, decided to go to graduate school. Um, so I, that's when I started chiropractic school. I love, you know, natural health, natural medicine, all that stuff. And really started diving into that aspect of it when I started chiropractic school. And I actually had my first two kids while I was in school. Wow. Not oh, my gosh. Not I recommend. Yeah. Wasn't. I know everybody's like, because all my, ki- my kids are, are um, all two years apart. And all have their birthdays within about two weeks of each other. So everybody's like, oh my God, how did you plan that? And I'm like, I got pregnant on break. Like, that's-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was relaxed and it happened. To-
2: <laughs> That's exactly what it is. They're like, wow, what great planning. No, there was no plan, people. It was literally, <laughs> I had finals. I got to de-stress and relax. And then I'd come back to school and then be like, how was your break? I'd be like, I'm pregnant again. <laughs> 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 uh, so anyway, so going through, going through school, I, I graduated, started a clinic, started a business. Um, and then <laughs> within like a month of starting that business, that I was pregnant again, and so at this point, you know, when she my youngest was born, and she was actually a preemie, so I had a preemie, a two year old, a four year old, and a oh, brand new wow. business. Oh my wow. god, right? So, wow. talk about stress, stress up the wazoo, yeah. right? And I was, you know, and I was doing all these things to try and be healthy as much as I could. Um, and I started getting ovarian cysts, and for those of you that have had cysts and have a cyst burst you know, the intense pain. Like I would be treating really patients. Painful. Yeah. I would be treating patients and I would have to run into the back room in my office and I would hide behind a table behind one of my treating tables, crouched on the floor, like just waiting for that pain to pass, like just oh sweating. God. Cause every month it would happen, a cyst would burst. And this happened for almost a year and a half. And I, I couldn't figure out why it was happening. What was going on how to get rid of it. I was taking all these supplements. I was taking a basket of supplements. I'm not like, there was over 35 supplements in this wow. basket. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was, cause all my friends are natural healthcare providers. And I'm like, what do I do? Oh, take this. Okay. Take this one too. Okay. And I just kept going down this path and I was like, this isn't working. This is getting worse. Um, I'm not noticing anything improve at all. And finally my husband got so worried. He drove me to the ER, made me go to the ER um, you know, doctors are the worst patients ever. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, uh, so the ER doc was like, well, yeah, it's a cyst. You know, I was like, yep. So I want to know why this is happening. I was like, here's, I'm eating a super clean non-inflammatory diet. Here's all the supplements I'm taking. I'm doing all these things. Of course I have stress and I'm not sleeping well. I have babies at home. I, you know, can't control that necessarily, but what else can I do? What am I missing? And he was like, oh, yeah, none of that stuff matters. None of that stuff you're doing really counts for anything. That's not going to work, obviously, because I was like, oh, my God. Um, so he was like, what you need is Vicodin and birth control. Here you go.
1: Wow. Yeah. But that is, I mean, that is the way um, Western medicine in many ways perceives, you know, supporting hormones is that we put women on synthetic hormones and that's going to fix everything. Um, yeah. And I can see where you were hesitant, you know, and it's a state of estrogen dominance if you're dealing with ovarian cysts. And so, you know, how do we address that in a way that doesn't involve taking oral contraceptives? You know, that's, yeah, yeah, that can be challenging for sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And that was, I mean, that was the solution. I was like, Hey, I don't, I don't need to be on any type of birth control for birth control purposes. Like my husband's had a the yep. are snip, snip, we're good yeah woo! it's a
1: wonderful thing
2: <laughs> oh my god it so is. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I was like I have a lot of side effects from the pill so is there any like what other options do you have he was like that's it otherwise you're just gonna have cysts and I was like that's not helpful and then Vicodin all like I'm gonna be doped up for half the month like that's right while you're
1: oh working with patients and caring for your children, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that seems like a safe idea. Yeah, yeah. caring for small little people that yeah, you don't want to be, you know, feeling like you are ready to go take a nap, All right? They probably do anyway, and then the Vicodin <laughs> will just facilitate it,
2: <laughs> just fall asleep on the couch as they're playing with matches. I don't know, right? Like, this is where my head is going. I don't have matches out or anything, let me just, clarify. but that's just you know. So I was like, this isn't a solution. This is not helpful. I am really frustrated. I, you know, and I ended up in a place where I was like, I have to find something different. All the things that I'm doing is not working. So I actually started diving into the Eastern medicine background that I have. Um, You know, and I, I'd done a lot of training and work with women for fertility and cycle issues. So I want to say, I I took that a step further and started really diving into, okay, what can I do on a day-to-day basis, even with my regular Whole Foods, that really align with my hormones and my cycle to get it regulated because the hormones are so off. And so that's when I started uncovering and looking at all these things. So what I talk about and what I teach women is not new. It's not brand new. It's just women don't know about it because it's got that Eastern medicine spin on it of you eat different foods for estrogen to help estrogen work function and be at the right levels in your body. And then after you ovulate, you eat different foods for progesterone. And that's the the simplified version of it. But essentially you're eating differently throughout the month to match with where your hormones are at. So I started doing that for myself. My hormone issues like cleared up. I, I got rid of my cysts. It didn't happen overnight. It happened within a couple of months, but I got rid of my cysts and they have not returned. And
1: awesome.
2: yeah. And so my youngest now is, uh, she just turned nine. So it's been about at least seven years that I've been able wow. to, Yeah. No vicodin, no birth control.
1: <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Weird. Did you go back
0: to that doctor? Did you go back to him?
1: <laughs> no, no. Tell he him what's was, going uh, on? It sounds like a male ER doctor. I mean, they're there to make sure you don't need to well so I was an ER nurse in my past life. And so the, the perspective of the ER is, can you be discharged? Do you need to go to the morgue? Or do you need to be admitted? And that's the mindset. It's like, how quickly can I get you out? Because really, they're trying to make sure you don't have something that's going to kill you or knock you off the planet that day. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's unfortunately, that has become the way that we address a lot of hormonal health issues for women is we put them on synthetic hormones. And um, for anyone listening, i am be the first person to tell you I bought into that mentality because I didn't want to get pregnant in college and didn't want to get pregnant after college and stop them when I, when I married my husband. I remember saying to someone, I never realized that, I, that's, that PMS is not normal. You know, well, I had such bad PMS while on the oral contraceptives that I didn't realize that I really didn't have much naturally, but I had it when I, it made it, it, it just exacerbated it so much more. And, and the other thing that I think is really interesting, whether or not listeners know this, you know, there's, there's a mechanism in our bodies, um, you know, we're put on oral contraceptives largely for contraception, and then it kills your sex drive. So talk about the saddest thing of all. It's like you're put on oral contraceptives to ensure you don't get pregnant, and then it gets scavenged up by you know a, a, a you know an enzyme called sex hormone binding globulin, and so that ensures that your libido goes down the toilet. So you know talk about a really sad fact related to oral contraceptives is that most people don't have much of a libido.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's another thing women. Um... You know, one of the things I, I, t- I love to talk about is, you know, not just, oh, here's a clean meal plan, you follow this, right? It is women are led to believe that if they have to do these things and, and follow this specific protocol to get a result, and it's really not designed for our systems, and if it doesn't work for you, then it's your fault. And so women encompass this whole shame mm. about what they're doing. And that's the same thing with, with libido and everything about how our bodies function, like oh, you should you know you should be taking this or doing this, and then oh, but still have a sex drive, how? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like-
0: yeah. Well, I also think that a lot of things that happen with women, and women's hormones, like like PMS or like having low sex drive, they're so common because mm-hmm. people are doing these using these types of products that we think that it's normal, but in fact, from your experience, Cynthia, and we know that it it can be. We can do it a different way.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's important. I think there's definitely a, even for Western medicine trained providers like I am, and I'm also functionally trained, you know, there's definitely a turn, like there are benefits to both. Um, but I think more and more women are demanding options that don't involve synthetic hormones to quote unquote, control their hormones or support their bodies, however you want to look at it. Um, but I would love to hear, you know, more about, you know, you're kind of alluding to this way that you support, um, women around their cycles, but let's start with food. You know, Kelly and I are always passionate and love to talk about food. So tell us, you know, what foods, um, are most beneficial during that first phase of the menstrual cycle, which is when estrogen predominates hmm Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. And this, I love you guys. We love to talk
2: about food. Awesome. I love to talk about food. All yes.
1: day. Okay, let's go.
2: <laughs> oh, um, so when, you know, start of the cycle, day one, first day of your period, which also is something that a lot of women don't know. Yeah, they don't
1: know. You know,
2: they have no idea. Cause I'll be like, oh, day one, when you start and they're like, Wait, where's my day one?
1: first area period. And well, they're like, we don't, Oh, we don't educate women. We just give them the pill. We tell them, take it every day. get breakthrough bleeding. Don't forget to take it. So you don't get pregnant and everyone, no one wants to get pregnant before they want to get pregnant. So right. we just kind of bind into that, but we don't understand the way our bodies work. That we just- yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Little side,
2: side note. Cause I know you have kids. I've, so my, uh, my middle, she's in fifth grade. She just had her like health talk at school, right? Like they're
1: like totally looking at you and your husband like, oh my God, you didn't you couldn't possibly have done this. Oh that's what <laughs> well, my like, kids were like, you didn't actually do that, did you? I'm <laughs> like, well
2: Yeah. So we've like we've like talked about like I always talk about this like with what I do. Like I talk about periods and the cycle and hormones and all this stuff and and so my kids have known about this stuff for years and you know I'm very careful you know other other parents might not talk to their Mm -hmm. children about it so like just don't bring it up at school just this is a home discussion type of thing so she had this thing at school and she came home and she was like that was really stupid mom and I was like what do you mean she goes I didn't really learn anything and all they talked about was like that if you have cramps that you should take a bath or something and I was like what (laughs)
1: One of the most common concerns I see in perimenopause and menopause is hair loss, hair breakage, hair shedding. And knowing that over 80 million Americans are impacted by this is both reassuring, but it's wonderful to know that there are products available that can help with these symptoms. Divi is good for those with hair shedding or thinning due to stress in perimenopause or menopause. They can be helpful for addressing dry scalp and have you wanted to take control of your hair health but aren't sure where to start. This is where a can be hugely impactful. I love their scalp serum. And we know that the scalp serum improves the appearance of breakage, nourishes our hair follicles, and removes product and oil buildup. There are some key ingredients, including tea tree oil, which works to reduce and prevent excess oil buildup on the scalp. Amino acids that help to strengthen hair, fight frizz, which is my greatest concern, and reduce breakage and copper tripeptide one, which is a small protein composed of the three amino acids to facilitate a clean and hydrated scalp, as well as hyaluronic acid, which is nourishing and hydrating to our scalps. As I mentioned, Divi is not just for those experiencing hair loss, I found it to be hugely helpful for scalp health and all of Divi's products, including their shampoos and conditioners, come together to create a full daily solution that helps women nourish their hair and get to the root of scalp health. Do you want to take back control of your hair and scalp health and do it with clean, science-backed ingredients? Go to divi-official.com/cynthia or enter cynthia at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's d-i-v-i official.com/cynthia for 20% off your first order. As I mentioned, my favorite product is the scalp serum. And now that we're in the deep throes of winter weather, it is so wonderfully nourishing and moisturizing. Do you find yourself struggling to get a good night's sleep? If so, you may be dealing with a hidden mineral deficiency. It is not at all uncommon in perimenopause and menopause to deal with sleep Well, and you, you wonder, I mean, sometimes I, I think, you know, I, I'm sure in some school districts, there are people who proactively want to teach, let's put it this way, it's sex ed. They yep. want to teach it. They desire to teach it. It doesn't make them giggle. They can, they can talk to children about and young adults about this. And then I think there are people who really don't want to teach sex ed and are very uncomfortable. And I think it just sends this message to children um, and, and young adults that, you know, it's something to be embarrassed of. It's something to feel uncomfortable about. Like, I know back in the dark ages when I was in probably fourth and fifth grade and was learning about periods and all those things, it was as if, I mean, it was so like just archaic and ridiculous. Like I remember like it was very embarrassing. And then, you know, that book, oh my God, um, it was about Judy Bloom's book, um, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. it's me, Margaret. Yeah, yeah. So like every, <laughs> I think every female of my generation read that book uh, and appreciated it. But it was like, we were all like given that book, like ceremoniously, mm-hmm. like here, this will explain things. Like my parents waiting. Judy Bloom is going to explain sex to us. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Well, you know what? And you know, it's crazy. My, my cousin who does listen to my podcast, who probably will shoot me for sharing this, She's a couple of years older than me, and I always thought she was the coolest. She is the coolest woman ever. Um, she let me read forever when I was like probably nine or ten, and she, I made the mistake of mentioning it to my mother, who then looked it up and was like, "Oh my god!" So I found it about sex through Judy Bloom. I totally did. <laughs> yeah, and periods yes. and all those things. It was like a rite of passage, right?
2: Yes, yeah, and and to that point, even more. I mean, where do women nowadays still even learn about their bodies, how they function, sex, and everything? Oh from your friends or from TV commercials, magazine articles, Googling right?
1: It. Movies. So, right? Yeah. Social media.
2: Yeah. And where, so where are we getting this information? Just like randomly out there, but it doesn't mean it's true. And so people talk about, oh, I have PMS or I have all these other things. And just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal to have. And, and, you know, so it's like, come on, there's so many like things you can do and there's a better way to do this. And sorry, I got off on a tangent there. It was okay. a good tangent. This is like a good t- <laughs> You
1: can edit it out later
2: if you're like, oh. <laughs> Okay. Uh, what was your original question? Back so to we were, food. food. Back, food. To, back to food
1: <laughs> and your cycle. So we were talking about first half of the menstrual cycle where mm-hmm. estrogen predominates. What are the things that strategies use with your patients? Yeah. And I
0: just wanna before we start, I just wanna chime in and, and clarify something. So you recommend this for women all types of women, whether or not they're having issues, whether or not they're perimenopausal, menopausal, having cysts, that kind of thing. This can help everyone.
2: Yes. Yeah. And it's all about regulating and then working with estrogen and how estrogen functions. Because, you know, estrogen has a completely different function in the body than progesterone. So it's going to help your sleep. It's going to help you get more energy. It's just going to help everything sync up and work better together when you're just supporting that natural ebb and flow of hormone throughout the month um so estrogen and this also goes along with basal body temperature yeah so for people who track and or even don't track just know that days 1 through 14 about your date your basal body temperature is lower and you're matching your foods and the you know sort of eastern philosophy on the tone of food in that it is going to be lower and cooling foods mm. And that's what you're aligning with estrogen. So to help estrogen function better, you know, estrogen is going to give you energy, help you build muscle, you know, digestive systems working better, all those, all those things. Right. And so you're eating cooling foods. Cooling foods are things like chicken, turkey, fish, raw fruits and vegetables, um, cooling spices. This is a really easy way to start. Um, for, also, for those of you too that are familiar with seed cycling, yeah. mm-hmm. this is like a step up from seed cycling. So seed cycling is the, you know, pumpkin and flax seed days one through 14. Also then add in cooling spices, you know, so mint, very cooling. You can add mint. I put, um, I put peppermint essential oil and stuff or peppermint extract in my morning shake, like my coffee, chocolate protein, you know, and then I'll put peppermint in there. Boom. Cooling. Um, That's helping your system work with estrogen, Um, rosemary, thyme, dill, cilantro, all very cooling spices that you can add into what you're cooking. Again, just taking the stuff that you've got in your kitchen right now and applying it and using it to help your system function better. Interesting. Yeah. And it's like I said, so so for people who are familiar with seed cycling, they're like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. I would just help that estrogen out even more by applying that same philosophy to everything else that I'm eating.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know there's, there's a lot of focus and talk about eating according to ancestral ways. Do you think that if we were really tuned in with our body and what was going on, that we would kind of naturally gravitate towards some of these foods in this early part of the cycle?
2: Yes. Oh my gosh. So that's super fun when women start doing this again. And it doesn't happen overnight. That's another thing I love to educate women on is that this like when you start eating healthy for the female body, everything takes longer because you have like four different bodies a month, right? So it, it takes longer for it to really like show in your system, you know. So you like see it and feel it like you expect, essentially. Um, so when we're when we're looking at applying these things and and noticing, okay, I'm starting to eat for cooling, and then you know for progesterone, it's warming. You know, it's into the like second, third month. I hear from women all the time. They're like, oh my gosh, I noticed I just wanted more cooling foods. Or I noticed that I, I was really loving spicy food at this time. I was just almost craving it. Is that normal? And I'm like, yep, totally <laughs> normal and good and good. And you start working with your system better. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I guess also probably just by cutting out a bunch of stuff that they were eating that they might not have, not, might not be good for them. They're able to really tune in because that noise is removed
1: from stuff, yes.
0: the stuff that's not as healthy.
1: Yeah. And that makes uh, sense because what, what do most women crave You know, when they're premenstrual? They're craving salt, they're craving sugar, and sometimes it's our body's innate way of letting us know there's something that's missing. It Maybe it mm-hmm. needs more magnesium. Maybe it needs some chromium. Maybe your protein needs need to go up. Um, but being yeah. attuned to your body. And I think we, largely as a society, I just feel even, you know, with my own, uh, clients, I feel like so many women are disconnected from their bodies um, for a variety of different reasons, but they really don't stay attuned to what their body is trying to tell them. And so that's a really important um, important way to empower women to really be thinking about, you know, let's check in with myself. How am I really feeling? Like, not just from a superficial level, but from a deeper level. Uh, yes. Oftentimes, you know, Make it clear that there are, there's more to what's going on than, than a surface level. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. Oh, my gosh. So, and then, you know, to kind of deep dive on that a little bit more, when we talk about the things that the body needs before your cycle starts, so especially the week before, week four of your cycle, the progesterone phase, you know, so it's going to be warming, um think things like beef, bacon, mm-hmm. very warming. <laughs> so when I, whenever I do a talk, I have when I always say bacon, there's always at least one gal who's like in the back cheering,
1: bacon, yeah. I, yeah, bacon? Bacon. I mean, I'm in a house with all men. I I mean yeah. and bacon is very, very popular here.
2: Oh, it's important. It's it's like religious almost, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <Bacon>. <laughs> I think I got my husband like this really high quality. It was like a, like a grass fed beef bacon oh, yeah. that was dipped in like some type of crazy good dark chocolate. And my husband was like, that was like crack. Not that I've ever oh. had crack, but if I were to have crack, <laughs> that's how good that was. So, See? Yes, bacon. Yeah. So
2: bacon, right. Um, you know, cooking your fruits and vegetables more, that's going to bring more heat, just having like hotter Temperature wise, cooked foods, your digestive system also slows down in the progesterone phase. Mm-hmm. So, by heating up, especially fibrous foods, it, it can really, really help to um, aid in the digestive process. You know, if you're a lot of women will be like, oh, I ate this salad and it just ugh, it doesn't sit right or my gut hurts or I get bloated with it, all that stuff. Yeah, because your digestive system is just different now. So help it out, break you know heat heat it up, help break down that fiber, and and your body can absorb
1: it better. It kind of sounds like the diet I had when I got out of the hospital. It was like I could have oh. meat and cooked vegetables. That was it for like a yeah. month. No nothing raw, you know, nothing that was too hard to digest. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. Oh yes, totally. Um,
2: and then other warming spices, right? So warming spices. I mean, you can even put hot sauce on everything you eat. That's going to add that heating component. Ginger cinnamon, cayenne, right? All these fun things that you can add to what you're eating. So for my morning shake, you know, I use coffee and then chocolate protein because it's delicious. And then I just add in cinnamon when I'm in my progesterone phase to add that warming component. Super easy to start eating for progesterone and warming. And then the other thing, when we were talking about cravings and all these other things, especially in week four, I think what women don't realize at this point in your body, it's week four especially is so different than everything else. Your body literally needs more calorie. It needs more nutrient. It needs more minerals. It needs, you know, it needs so much more food and nutrient. And if you're not giving it more, like, like 300 to 500 more calories a day. And if you're not giving it that it's going to see it as a depletion and create that craving Mm -hmm. and say, Oh my God, I want salt. I want sugar. I want, you know, and it's, you know, it needs those minerals. It needs that extra. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so once you start fueling it more with you know the healthy clean options, you know proteins, healthy fats, all that stuff, and adding more minerals in, uh, it, it changes everything. And all of a sudden, that's one of the first things that women notice that when they start eating like this, I, I don't have any more cravings, and I'm not bloated, yeah. and I'm not feeling like garbage before my period starts. So, like it gets rid of PMS symptoms because they're like, this is weird. I'm like, no, you're actually just giving your body what it needs, so it doesn't yeah. it, it doesn't freak out and tell you hey, eat a bag of chips, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing that I'm blown away by that's really striking me is that we don't really have this kind of individualized or even like cyclical mentality in our food. So many times if we want to change how we look or how we feel, we latch on to one diet that is the same type of food every day, Mm -hmm. day after day. And oftentimes in our busy lives, we just keep eating the same thing 20 days a month, right? Month after yeah. month. And I love that you're telling us that we can start with as little as adding spices.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it's super easy. And again, I guarantee the things I listed off, you've got them in your kitchen right now. Like right. this, these are easy, applicable things that today, if you know where you're at in your cycle, um, or even if you don't, even if you've had a hysterectomy or, or, or you've been through menopause, things like that, you can still start and that these spices and foods have an imprint on your hormonal
1: system. So So. that's, that's a great segue, Beth. And I don't mean to interrupt you. Um, You know, a lot of women that, you know, come to me are in perimenopause, which is that five to seven years preceding menopause or they're in menopause. And so what you're saying is, is that these dietary changes can have an impact, even if you're no longer menstruating. Is that correct? Yeah.
2: Yes. Cause you still have some amount of, you know, estrogen, yes. progesterone in your system. Yes. So, and it's just, it's also creating that alternating way of eating, right? Which is in and of itself a way to boost your metabolism, feel better, get more energy. Right. Um, and, but that's the thing so much is that what we're trained on for nutrition is so in my, in my book, the, I have a whole chapter dedicated to the history of nutrition and how it's set up for men to be successful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you eat this day. I mean, how many times do you go on social media and see somebody who's like, I meal prepped for the week. And it's literally the same meal all week oh. long. I'm like, that's terrible. Right.
1: Our body needs variety.
2: Yes. It's like, if you go to the gym and do the same workout every single day, your body acclimates to it and slows everything down. Don regulates. So
1: my, my standard refrain is monogamy is good. Today's podcast is sponsored by Nutrisense. It combines cutting edge technology and human expertise. So you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress Ignites Metabolism But food monogamy is not good. Yes. So I I like to often encourage people. I'm like monogamy is good. Food monogamy is not good. So I always kind of remind them like if you eat the same exact food every single day, you are more likely to food sensitivities, create inflammation. Like I'm married to a wonderful man who, if left to his own devices, would eat the same exact meal for lunch forever. Like it makes me laugh. And and now that he works from home, he stopped doing that. Now he he eats with some variety, but um, I used to tease him. I'm like, you eat the same exact lunch and have for, I mean, we've been together for 17 years. If he were still going to the office, he would still be having his turkey sandwich, his carrots, his pretzels. What was the other thing? He'd bring an apple and maybe like a diet Pepsi. Thankfully, we've gotten him off the diet Pepsi, but that he was very food monogamous. He liked, you know, the predictability, liked knowing, you know, what he was going to eat. Um, but that's my, my little takeaway. Food yeah. Monogamous, not good.
2: Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's the, you know, so we're, we're trained and we're told. And like, you know, if you have like a male trainer or something and they're like, eat healthy, eat clean, but you're eating the same day one through day 28 of your cycle, you're the same calories, the same macros, all that people ask me that all the time. They'll send me messages. Hey, what do you, what are the best macros, you know, to eat? And I was like, it depends on where you're at. It should change throughout the month for what your body needs. Cause you have different bodies that have different needs like if you eat the same, you're doing a disservice to your body and then you're not allowing it to function at its best. Yeah.
0: So you talked a little bit about foods. Can you briefly touch on what the macro differences are?
2: Ooh, yes. So in general, right? So and this is it's such a hard discussion when we talk about macros.
1: Like because we we're going to
0: get that question. If we don't though, <laughs> I know, you're so right. You're <laughs> so right.
1: Do, do you hate, just interject. Don't you hate the posts on Instagram? They're like, if it fits my macros, I'm just going to eat donuts all day. I'm like, Ugh. Oh, anyway, that's oh just it makes me crazy. Anyway. Thanks. Right.
2: <laughs> yes. I'm so healthy. I eat donuts all day. It's fine. It's in my macros. Yeah. And cool. I'm 20 and I can eat whatever I want.
1: Oh, right?
2: Yeah. I was like, wait, have three babies and then we'll talk, you know?
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> mm. be, be north of 45 and see how that works for you. <laughs> oh my
2: God. Oh, so when you look at macros, it's, it's really, I think, should be individualized. There's no one size fits all. There's no, you know, so in general, when I talk about them, I, you know, in referencing estrogen versus progesterone, I'll just talk about what each hormone is feeds off of most. So estrogen is actually a carb burner. Mm-hmm. So, and your body needs more energy and it has more energy and all these things. So to have a little bit higher, you know, carb amount is totally fine. And it's going to pay off, you know, if you're active, if you're an athlete, if you're working out, because you're able to build muscle, recover faster if you have that carb amount in your diet, right? So I, I, I recommend high protein, you know, protein pacing for women, all that stuff. So having them higher than, you know, I want to say normal, right? A lot of women are getting like 50 grams of protein a day, which is-
1: And people don't realize it's, you know, it's hugely problematic.
2: Yeah. 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 Like protein deficiency is, is huge. And so people are like, well, how much protein should I eat? And I'm like, it, de- it depends on what you're doing, right? How much carb should I eat? It depends on where you're at and, and what your goal is and, and where your you know, where your focus is there, right? So- But for estrogen to have the carb at least match your protein, if not be higher in terms of a macro amount, that's great for estrogen phase. For progesterone, your body's in a fat burning mode and it needs more nutrient and calorie then. So carbs can either match or be a little bit lower than protein, but then have a higher amount of of fats Mm -hmm. in your diet. And it's going to change so much energy wise, functionality wise, everything. And and that again goes with a little grain of salt because there's other you know metabolism tactics you can have or other things there, and just depending on what you're doing, um, you know. So I use myself in it as an example all the time. I'm six i I'm huge.
1: Right? You really? You're 6'2"? Wow. I'm 6'2". I know, it doesn't wow. look like it because I'm on like this little screen wow. right now. I, know, yeah. I, know. I think that's so awesome. I'm like, go women. But yeah. Wow. No wonder why you played volleyball. Yes, I played volleyball. And I
2: um, right now I play uh, women's full tackle professional football.
1: No way. Amazing.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. God, so I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't turn my background lights on. I know you guys can't see this right now, the listening to a podcast, but I uh, didn't turn my lights on. I don't know if you guys can see, but I have like oh. bruises
1: all over oh my head.
2: I'm tackling and like, yeah. so I try and so like. You
1: seem so yeah. sweet. You'd never know you were tackling other women.
2: <laughs> that, well, that's actually like my, the hardest thing for me with football besides learning the game is like trying to take somebody down. Like looking at somebody and be like, okay, it goes against like that core value I have of like oh. health and like healing to be like, hoping, you, you're going down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, so what's funny is, you know, you're six foot two, Kelly's taller than me. Whenever I meet people like that have seen me in media, social media, they're always like, oh, I always think you're tall. Well, I'm short. I'm five foot three on a good day. And so people always assume I'm tall. And so they're always looking at me like they're so disappointed as they're looking down at me, like you're so short. Well, yes, I am, but that's just the way God made me.
2: Yeah. Oh my God. Like if you go on any of my social media or like look at a picture of me on my with my football team. I
1: don't look that tall. I'm like a helmet taller than like everyone. Else. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. But that's so awesome. Yeah. Like no woman. So how tall are your parents?
2: Um, you know, my parents aren't I mean, they're tall, like my mom's five nine, my dad's, you know, five eleven.
1: And I just brothers that are crazy tall.
2: No, no, I'm the tallest. I'm. A, it's like goat milk. I tell you, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're the outlier. That's
2: I am. I am, and my husband. My husband's like an inch taller than me. So wow. Was, yeah. Well, and you know, when we had kids, I was like, and he's an athlete too. He was a, you know a national champion skier and all this stuff. And so when I when we had babies, I was like, I'm just gonna pop out these Olympians, and it's gonna be <laughs> <laughs> my kids hate sports, so they're all like. They're into, like, drama. They're like, I want to be in a play. I love chess club. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I play football to get that, like, competitive edge out. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That is so funny. <laughs> Anyway, um, so for macros, <laughs> for myself. Carb, so cycling, I, carb-, yeah, carb- <laughs> yeah, carb cycling or intermittent fasting, switching those things in. It really depends on where you're at. So for me right now, because I am, you know, I'm 6'2". Um, and again, your weight changes throughout the month normally. Just again, something else women don't realize. They'll weigh themselves every day or every week and be like, I weigh more this week than I did last week, but I Throw thought I was doing really the good. Scale. A, yes.
1: Throw the scale away. It doesn't, it
2: doesn't do you any service. I mean, especially for week four, you literally have more blood volume. Like Your uterus is twice the size in week four. You should weigh more than than you did the week before. Like, come on. So some people have like a like you can have a fluctuation of five pounds, you know, and that's normal for you. So anyway, so weight, you know, say one ninety, you know, is like an average weight for me. And I consume at least one hundred and eighty grams of protein a day, and I have to to keep up my energy levels for football, all this stuff. I match it with carbs. I eat at least two hundred grams of carb a day. So I'm eating like thirty five hundred grams or calories a day that's, wow. and i 'm I'm in season right now right so post season recovery all that stuff will shift and change and drop i'll change my macros mm-hmm. um, and again those are again that's not a static number of carb you know I do increase or decrease it a little bit depending on where my body's at for my hormones and it does improve my performance I'm sure. my my energy my recovery so it's it's really incredible what you notice. I mean, even if you're just like, I want to run a 5k or I want to get faster at my 5k, implementing some of these little things make a big difference overall in how your body's functioning.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. There's particular weeks when that's more appropriate.
2: Yeah. So if you're really looking at burning more fat and the female body, you know, is designed to store fat. So to burn fat, we just don't have the same capability like men can do a workout in the morning and getting fat burning and burn fat literally all day long, like 20 some hours, like 21 hours. They burn. Unfair. 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 Right. (laughs) Women, we do a workout, we can get to fat burning and max our bodies will burn fat for up to three hours. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, our function is just, it's just different. So not better or worse, just, just totally, totally different. So when you're looking at, I want to decrease my body fat percentage. Um, I want to get my metabolism boosted and use intermittent fasting as a tactic. I recommend women focus more on that. Not that you can't do it any time because there's a lot of benefit to doing intermittent fasting, as you guys know. It's just if you sync it up with your progesterone phase, when your basal body temperature is higher, it, you get that thermogenic property in there as well that can help your system burn a little bit more during that time. Cause you're, you know, when you're doing that intermittent fasting,
1: yeah. Yeah. Intermittent fasting, I just think is one of the most valuable tools men or women can actually utilize to uh, support their health. And, And it's interesting because I've been watching and listening to the feedback, um, about my recent TED talk about intermittent fasting specifically. And it's yeah. interesting. People are really curious. They really want to understand more about it. And as I always say, it's free and it's simple. And you know, there's so many other things. You know, There's people pushing pills and potions and powders. And this is something you can do that doesn't require a lot of extra training and is easy um, and pretty simplistic.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing I love about so much of natural health things. It is not fancy it. It just takes a little bit of time investment to learn about what this is and then how I can fit it into my lifestyle. And there's a ton of stuff people can do like, like starting today, right now at home, you don't need to go out and buy stuff. You don't need the Bowflex, you know? <laughs>
1: we although, don't. Although, although everyone's ready to buy those things. They're sometimes not ready to, to actually do the exercise. Right. Um, Beth, I would love for you to share with our listeners two things that they could implement today, tomorrow, that could have a huge impact on their health and wellness.
2: Yes. Okay. So I honestly um, just start with the warming and cooling spices. Like if nothing else, you know, you can still eat the same, right? Prep your food. And this, you know, and I eat like this and I have a husband, three kids, and we eat like this. And it's amazing the difference that it makes in your life. Cause it's so easy to implement. You're not trying to like eat this little sad salad over here while everybody else is having pizza in your family, right? (laughs) Women women can't go on these diets and be successful on them if you're having to prepare three different dinners. You know, that's not fun. So just start with some spices. If nothing else, even season your own plate, warming or cooling. That's going to start, you know, and again, like I said, seed cycling, this is the next step up. Add in those spices so if you're not having to change anything else, just, just add in the spices to your meals and it starts that next level process. And that trickle down effect of improving your health, energy, better sleep, helping those hormones regulate more, all that fun stuff.
0: Great. Yeah. Hey, your, your energy is contagious and I know yes. listeners are going to want to get some of that. So can you please tell us and them how they can find you?
2: Yeah. I am on the interwebs, um, <laughs> I am, um, so uh, Facebook, Instagram is Dr. Beth Westy, my YouTube channel is Dr. Beth Westy, I do a lot of video at just educating on that, she does, yeah, um, I have a podcast called The Female Health Solution, um, and I, you know, I'm so open to people just, you know, viewing stuff, normally when people find my YouTube channel, they'll watch for a few hours, because there's so many different topics and things that I cover, Um, and that's what I really want to be. My mission is just to educate women more on how their bodies work and function, and how they can use whole foods to just align with that natural physiology to get better results. Um, so So if you're watching something, or you look at something, you know, feel free to send me a message if you've got questions, or reach out, because sometimes what we talk about in terms of natural health sounds really different from what we've been trained to think about our bodies yeah
1: absolutely well thank you so much for carving a little bit of time out of your friday morning to chat with us Um, we definitely hope you have a wonderful wonderful weekend and thanks for bringing all your knowledge on on board for our listeners
2: yeah thanks for having me this is super fun
1: (laughs)
0: thank you so much for joining us You can find out more about Cynthia and her work at chtwellness.com, and you can find out more about Kelly and her work at everydaytherapist.com. In addition, if you have questions for us or topics you'd like us to address, please email us at everydaywellnesspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.